the Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joining you, and it is only I joining you. Hello, it's Allison. So freaking early in the morning that it didn't feel fair to ask anyone to co-host with me. But you know what? Uh, had to be done. The rest of my day is so busy, and I wanted to get an episode out. So here it is. Oh, I'm half awake. Um, this is a good way to start an episode, right? Uh, it'll be fine, guys. Hello, if you're new to Light Trees and News, sometimes the show is me and a co-host. Sometimes the show is just me, but we always talk about the same thing. Pop culture up front, then we talk about bad news. Uh Uh-oh, but don't worry. We end things on a positive note, or what I try to make a positive note, with your good news. So guys, listen, this is a big movie weekend for me. Today I am seeing, uh, oh my god, what am I seeing today? The Lighthouse. By the way, if you hear this today or Saturday, nope, today is Saturday, Allison. If you hear it today, Saturday, or tomorrow, Sunday, don't send me spoilers for any of the movies I'm talking about right now. Why would you do that, you maniac? You wouldn't, right? You wouldn't do that. Um, Because I might not have seen the film yet, and I will find you and ruin your life so that's the kill kenny guarantee that's on our family crest uh so first film i'm seeing is the lighthouse this evening saturday evening very excited about that i hear it is so weird i hear uh god is this a spoiler but it's been literally in every headline about the movie so i feel like it's out there by now Robert Pattinson gets it on with a mermaid. I'm like, okay, I guess. Okay, Eckers, I'm on this journey with you. Very excited about that. The weirder, the better for that one. Then tomorrow I'm seeing Practical Magic. That's right. Throwback with some friends because, you know, it's Halloween-y. And uh, they want to go see something witchy. So we're like, why not go see Practical Magic? Full disclosure, and a lot of you will find this very hard to believe, I have never seen Practical Magic. As far as I can recall, maybe I saw it when I was very young, but I don't remember it at all. I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest with you. So that's going to be huge for me, huge for my brand, I feel like. I feel like that will be really fun. And then that evening, and I'm maybe the most excited about this one, I'm seeing Parasite, baby! Here in New York, it sold out pretty much everywhere it's been playing. And I was like, oh, no, am I not going to be able to see it? And I'm going to see it with a friend, and I'm very excited about it. So I'll have reviews about all of that next week. But in the meantime, I do have things that I wanted to recommend, generally talk about, hear from you guys as well. Oh, I wanted to shout out someone because I say, I always say this on the show that I love hearing from you guys. Uh, because here's what happens when you talk for an hour on a podcast you forget 99% of what you said. So I always enjoy hearing back from you all about your own recommendations, about anything you felt about what we recommended on this show, just general comments, because it's sort of a refresher for me where I'm like, oh, yeah, we did say that. So thank you to at words meanings who tweeted late treason 
uh, we're we're Light Trees and Pod. If you want to go follow us on Twitter or message us, or just use the hashtag Light Trees and Pod because I'll see that as well. So they tweeted. For some reason, it just popped into my head uh, a thing Allison said on Light Treason on Robert Forrester's quiet performances and how too often best acting nods are given to the most acting roles. And it's really sticking with me as award season gets underway. Well, thanks. I'm glad that stuck with you. I agree. It's also something I think about a lot around award season because I think it's sort of ruining the Oscars. I think people sort of roll their eyes when they talk about Oscar bait, you know? There are certain roles that you're like, oh, man, this was made for the Oscars. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily synonymous with best acting. It's just who has the the wildest role or who has the role where they're screaming and crying and really, like, chewing the scenery because uh, the Academy loves that. The Academy likes big, sad male performances, historically speaking. that That's what they're into. And you can just tell when they're going to like something. Cough, cough, Joaquin Phoenix. You know, made for the Academy. They love that shit. Uh, And it's not necessarily a good thing. I think it's really limiting the scope of who we award the best actor award to. Because there, um, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I think this is a a prime example. John Boyega in Attack the Block. Should have been an Oscar nomination. And it's not for the Academy. You know, it's, it's... uh, it's a genre that they don't usually recognize. It's a tone that they don't take seriously. And it's about a group of young people, which they don't like. And John Boyega is a person of color who they really don't like, <laughs> historically speaking. So not recognized. But I would put that performance up alongside any Best Actor nomination of like the past five years. I think he was spectacular in that movie so you know what I mean it just like it makes it boring because we know exactly the type of role they're looking for they want Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant did you suffer did you suffer in this film if you suffered we'll recognize you because we'll take it seriously but film is not that one narrow thing that's why I'm excited about a bunch of the movies I'm going to see. <laughs> Not Practical Magic. I, d- I think Practical Magic has moved, missed its opportunity to be awarded by the Academy. But, you know, The Lighthouse, Parasite, these are films that are sort of like pushing the boundaries of what... We- Hustlers! Come on! Come on, Hustlers! Oh, that was another thing I wanted to talk about. So I tweeted this the other day. Guys, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you are missing out. I'm a fucking treat. At Allison Kilkenny, I just make good point after good point after good joke after good joke. So Hustlers has passed the $100 million in North America, um, has passed $100 million in North America. I don't know why I said the $100 million. So this is huge because it was made for $20 million. And I tweeted, I don't know how many times women-centered stories starring women directed by a woman need to smash the box office for Hollywood to not treat it like a fluke. Because I feel like this always happens. Anytime there's a uh, female-led film or, you know, uh, a a lady director and they smash another box office goal or record, there's some headline that's like, can women 
finally lead films. And it's like, yes, motherfuckers, we've been doing it. Not me. I don't mean to take credit for other people's films. But women have been doing that for a long time. Stop treating it like a fluke. But anyway, I'm really hoping a movie like Hustlers will be recognized by the Oscars. Because if you award Goodfellas, you got to award Hustlers. Assholes. So, who am I talking to? Like, for all I know, they will reward it. I have to calm down. Okay, since we're talking about award season, or I'm talking about it, and you are forced to listen to me, which is the way I like it. Since we're talking about award season, since we're talking about... (laughs) I'm immediately going to contradict myself by praising something that is over-the-top, chewing-the-scenery performances, because it's so good. Succession, baby! Oh, man. If you haven't seen it yet, I am going to talk about the finale. Skip ahead to the next music cue. Don't fill your little ears with these spoilers because it should be watched in its entirety. Uh, I just, I love this show so much. And I know, like, yes, you live in Brooklyn. Of course you love Succession. It is the sweetheart show of, I don't know. I don't know if it's even fair to say, like, the hipster elite. Because I, first of all, I don't want to call myself that. But also, I feel like it is universally praised by anyone who has seen it. Um, The only complaint I've heard about it, which I've talked about before on the show, and I do not understand, is people who are like, but they're mean people. And it's like, yeah, that's, it's a show about awful people. I guess it, it was sort of the same way people reacted to Seinfeld. If you don't like watching a show about bad people, you probably won't like Seinfeld. But if you enjoy watching bad people be critiqued in in a very subtle way in that they're showing you their awfulness on full display and allowing you to think of it what you will, you'll like Succession. You'll like Seinfeld. That's right. I'm comparing Succession and Seinfeld. I think it's valid. So I have to say, The finale of season two of Succession is one of the best things I've ever seen. Specifically, the last 18 minutes are done so well. And, you know, I I guess another criticism I've heard of Succession is there's some people who just watch it for the funny bits and they don't like the dramatic parts. I think the two complement each other beautifully. I think there's a really yin-yang balance going on. We do need those moments of comedy... Otherwise, it would be way too much drama. And we do need those moments of drama, so we care about these characters. So there were stakes, right? So it's a very funny episode, (laughs) particularly all the backstabbing that's going on about who they want to throw under the bus for... (laughs) Who they want to throw under the cruise ship, I should say, for the cruise ship scandal. Um... One thing that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, and I would be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. If you have, if you're caught up with Succession and you saw the finale, they keep talking about the girl who died on the the cruise ship, right? As though it was an accident that she got, that she like fell overboard, right? But I think it is very heavily implied either... Uncle Mo, Mo Lester, right, was pursuing her so aggressively she jumped off the cruise ship. 
or he threw her off the cruise ship. I sort of thought they were going to go in a, oh no, Uncle Mo straight up murdered this girl angle. Maybe the writers thought that was too dark, but I thought that was like very heavily implied that maybe Uncle Mo was a full monster and killed this poor girl. Thoughts? Maybe I just projected that? I don't know. So... Oh man, the the end of that episode, I like fully stood up and was screaming. I this is so where I wanted the entire season to go. Not fully where I wanted to to go. What I thought was going to happen at the beginning of the season was and I think it still might be revealed in season 3. I thought the kids had formed a partnership behind Logan's back to take him down. Cuz there is that scene where Shiv calls um calls Kendall when he's on the private jet and is like we have a problem so they've definitely been communicating ever since he had that breakdown in front of her and was like it's not going to be me so I still think that partnership might be real but Roman looked genuinely blindsided so maybe they kept the baby out of the plans I don't know I don't know maybe he really was blindsided maybe he's a very good actor I also think maybe they just assumed Roman would go along with them if like his older brother and sister were like we're doing this he would be like okay which might not be the case anymore because Roman has been wearing his big boy pants this season he almost got killed (laughs) doing a business negotiation so I think he has matured a lot I thought it was so brilliant the way Logan was revealed to have been low-key testing them the whole time to see who in Kendall's words is willing to kill 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 for the family. Uh, And we found out neither Shiv nor Roman are willing to do that because Shiv begged for mercy for Tom. And Roman threw himself on the sword for Jerry in a really touching scene, really quick moment. But I like they, it was so earned by the writers where it was really, really moving that he was like, not Jerry. We're not getting rid of Jerry. And turns out the only one willing to kill, 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 and he's been telling us that his, this whole time, because it's his slogan, is Kendall, because he's willing to kill his own father. So maybe Kendall really is the heir to the throne. Uh, it's so good. This is what good writing looks like, and I love it. So any thoughts? I know I got some of you to watch it because I was incessantly talking about it on the show. Did you watch the finale? What are your thoughts? How do you feel? What do you think is going to happen in season three? I don't know. I truly don't know. I feel like they have been, what I love about Succession is so much happens off camera and we sort of figure out stuff has happened later on. So I don't know what's been happening in those those quiet bits of the show. What what partnerships have formed? What plans have been made? Ugh, I can't wait for season three. So also, I just want to talk about this casting of the next Batman movie. Because here, here are my feelings about another Batman movie. Oh my God, do we really need one? And the answer is absolutely not. We never need another Batman movie ever again. As much as I love batman and i love the nolan universe i am like we don't need any more batman films make new things then warner brothers steals my sexual fantasies diary and week by week has been releasing been releasing casting that i'm like i'm sorry what so originally they're like hey allison do you want to see robert pattinson as batman and i was like 
yeah, I want to see that. I want uh, I want to see that. And then they're like, cool, cool, cool. And then they go quiet for a little bit. I'm like, that was weird. How did they specifically know I wanted to see Robert Pattinson as Batman? And they're like, hey, Allison. And I'm like, Ugh, how'd you get in here? And they're like, hey, you want to see uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman? And I'm like, okay, now hold on a second. That is so specific. How do you know that? How do you know that? And they're like, <laughs> that's for us to know and you to find out. And then they scutter into the shadows. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then yesterday, they go, hey, Allison, how about Paul Dano as the Riddler? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then it's revealed that they have my sexual fantasies diary. And I was like, I fucking knew it, Warner Brothers. How did you get that? And they're like, hee, hee, hee. They disappear. So yes, yes, Warner Brothers, well played. I will go fucking see your Batman movie and it will be incredible, I'm sure. Because you've guaranteed it to be. I mean, probably, maybe not. Maybe it'll be awful, but I'll have a good time. Because that's an amazing cast. I'm a little sad Jonah Hill dropped out as the Penguin because how perfect, right? Made me very happy. And I do think Jonah's a good actor. But I believe in them. I believe in who, whatever genius is casting. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's a fight club situation and I'm blacking out for part of my life. And I am a casting agent in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I have an idea, guys. And I'm just like crushing it. So whoever I ultimately cast next will be phenomenal, I'm sure. Um, and then finally, before we get to bad news, I know, but don't worry. Um, oh, I guess this could be fun. Who else would you guys cast in the next Batman movie? So we've got Robert Pattinson as uh, Batman. Holy shit. It'll be fine, guys. It's early. Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman, and Paul Dano is the Riddler. I don't know what other characters will be in this movie, but have fun with it. Have fun with it. Whatever Batman character you want to see in this film. Uh, I saw some people, because Robert Pattinson and Timothy Chalamet are in The King together, say Timothy Chalamet would be a good Robin. Listen, I love it. I love the balance of Robert Pattinson and Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Twinktastic. I'm there, but in a seat with my bag of popcorn um yeah who who would you cast as a joker in this universe who would you cast as two-face i want to hear from you hashtag light trees and pod so finally speaking of twinktastic i just want to give a shout out generally speaking as a fan of art and as a human woman to harry styles light up video what a treat just like what a treat I would say if you're having a bad day, if you are feeling a little blue, maybe it's a little rainy out, maybe it's a little cold, maybe it's snowing where you are, go watch the Lights Up video. It's just wonderful. He is uh, fully just reveling in his bisexual status, and I'm very proud of Harry Styles, and I'm very happy for him. I mean, he's a good egg. I'm a fan. He has consistently defended his fans who are in classic misogynist fashion, dismissed as being a group of hysterical girls. And he has always been very kind and understanding of them where he's like, no, actually this whole industry rotates on what young girls want. So maybe we shouldn't disrespect them. Uh, and he's just awesome. I really like him. 
And I think he, uh, you know, a lot of people say that maybe it's not brave to come out as bi when you have the platform that he has and the wealth and the privilege and blah, 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 blah. I still think it's brave because you know he's going to alienate some people. And I like that he's living his truth. And I think he's um he's a smart, from what I've seen, kind person. So I'm happy for him. And also the video is really cool and very sexy. So just treat yourself. You know, it's Saturday. Go crazy. Go watch Harry Styles. Okay, on that note, if you have any recommendations, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let me know what I should be watching and reading and listening to. Here is your bad news. Well, I guess we have to open the bad news section by talking about the president fantasizing about the violent deaths of his opponents. Oh, boy. Okay, so a video depicting a really bloody scene of a fake Trump shooting, stabbing, and brutally assaulting members of the news media and his political opponents was shown at a conference for his supporters at his Miami resort last week, according to footage obtained by the New York Times. I believe the scene was taken from Kingsman. I believe it was the scene in the church, which is uh, really violent and upsetting. And I think, to, to call out Kingsman a little bit, <laughs> I think we're supposed to think it's awesome and cool because uh, Colin... Firth is shooting um, like uh, radical Christians who are homophobic and racist and all th all the bad things, and it's still very upsetting. Um, so yeah, the reason this is a big deal is it happened in uh, his Miami resort. Several of his top surrogates, including his son, Donald Trump Jr., his former spokeswoman, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, were scheduled to speak at the three-day conference. So a lot of, a lot of heavyweights were there. Um, and so Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary, said on Twitter Monday that while Mr. Trump had not seen the video, Based upon everything he has heard, he strongly condemns it, which is like, eye roll, okay. You know that if he saw it, he would be like, that's funny, look at me, I'm shooting everybody. Uh, so the video, which includes the logo for Trump's 2020 re-election campaign, comprises a series of internet memes. The most violent clip shows Mr. Trump's head superimposed on the body of a man opening fire inside the church of fake news on parishioners who have the faces of his critics or the logos of media organizations. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. And also, like, can you imagine any left-wing version of that going viral? Like, the right would be hysterical. Hysterical! Saying it was calls for open violence, uh, civil war, but they can do it, and it's like, no, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. So, um, yeah, yikes. That's, that's definitely in the bad news section, I would say. Um, 
And also just another example of this nod to uh, violent white separatists, right? That like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In public, we call for like civility and, cro- you know, crossing the aisle and, and, and compromise. Or I mean, do they even at this point? But like when they do is what I'm saying. Um, but then privately, like, yeah, we're going to shoot them all. It's funny. <laughs> like, cool. Uh, in case you're wondering which media organizations were shot in the video, that, of course, would be PBS, NPR, Politico, The Washington Post, and NBC. Not CNN. No, CNN must be in there. New York Times just doesn't mention it. Um, so, and then uh, the critics that he's attacking in the video, um, of course, are... Uh, James Comey's seen trying to get away. He wrestles a parishioner with a Vice News logo <laughs> as a face to the ground and then shoots them. He strikes John McCain in the back of the head. He hits Rosie O'Donnell. He strikes Maxine Waters. He lights the head of Bernie Sanders on fire. He takes Mitt Romney hostage before throwing him to the ground. Uh, Mika Brzezinski is also in the video. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Harvey Weinstein, because they really, really like associating Hillary Clinton with Harvey Weinstein a lot, which mm, not unfair, but, you know, uh, Trump also has ties to Harvey Weinstein and fucks little girls. So (laughs) maybe don't uh, remind us of that. Uh, Adam Schiff. Let's see. Oh, yeah, there, CNN wasn't it. I was like, no way they left CNN out. So, yeah, very, very cool. Very cool presidential behavior. So, also in bad news, I can't believe... By the way, guys, anytime I'm laughing in the bad news section, it's because I can't fucking believe this is the world we live in. So, yeah, the the Daily Beast is calling this an ill-considered plan. But, yes, very ill-considered. So... The the White House has this grand plan where they decided to introduce Anne Sekoulis, the American diplomatic wife who killed 19-year-old motorcyclist Harry Dunn when she drove down the wrong way of an English lane in August, to Dunn's grieving parents. So their big idea was oh, we're going to have our own coffee summit or whatever the fuck it was called. And we're going to bring together the parents of this dead teenager with the woman who killed him. Admittedly, totally accidentally, but still, and not brace either party, not tell them what was going to happen. Oh, boy. So Sekoulis left the UK in early September under diplomatic immunity protections and has not not been seen in public since because there was a huge backlash to this happening. So the Dunn family now live in the US um, because they're trying to drum up support to send Sekoulis back to the UK to face justice, accepts an urgent invitation by the White House from National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, and they don't tell them why, to just meet there on Tuesday night. So Trump on Wednesday said that he arranged the meeting at the request of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, another genius, and speaking at a joint press conference with Italian President Sergio 
uh, Mattarella, he described the encounter as beautiful in a certain way, which is like, what the fuck does that mean? Adding that he expressed condolences on behalf of our country. So apparently he thought he could, I don't know, mediate, which, it, my God, if anybody is not equipped with the sensitivity, empathy, listening skills needed to mediate something like this, it is Donald Trump. So <laughs> the Dunn family writes about this and says, uh, the family had four surprises yesterday. Firstly, being invited to the White House in the first place, which came out of the blue. Um, and then the second surprise was that they had not expected to actually meet the president in person. Thirdly, that Mrs. Sekoulis was present in the building. And fourthly, that it was the president's intention for Harry's family to meet Mrs. Sekoulis in the Oval Office in front of several photographers in what we was obviously designed to be a press call. Um, so yeah, basically the worst way you can handle something like this and, and such an obvious attempt to use them as political props and not people and not consider their their feelings and the trauma that they're feeling uh, and how fucking stupid that was and what a miscalculation there's just no good judgment in the room at any point and there's less and less every day because the rats keep jumping ship so if there was an adult in the room at any time and i'm not saying there was they're long gone so now you just have a room full of idiots basically like is this a good idea this is a it's good right it's good if we get the the parents of the dead kid in the room with the lady who killed him and we don't tell anybody we don't tell anybody we don't want them braced in the slightest, you know? We wanted to completely shock them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, also, let's talk about <laughs> Mick Mulvaney. Mulvaney? I don't care. Please don't tweet me. Mick. Uh, Donald Trump's acting chief of staff, one of the last rats on the ship, right? He had a no good, very bad day on Thursday, where over the course of roughly 40 minutes, he made two confessions. <laughs> Would you, by the way, acting chief of staff, they basically send you out there to fall on the grenade for the head honcho, okay? You are not supposed to make admission after admission. And he made two of them that the that U.S. military aid to Ukrainian uh, to Ukraine had been contingent on an investigation into a debunked conspiracy theory about interference in the 2016 election and that politics were influencing his boss's foreign policy. Mick, that's the thing you're not supposed to say aloud. That's really bad. That's a crime. Um, so he admits the, the quid pro quo thing where he's like yes we offered something to get something which is the the crux of was this illegal or not and he came out acting chief of staff and admitted it then he tried to play it off like and this is the trump administration strategy on everything they deny 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 admit and then say it's not a big deal it's not a big deal and they just hope it goes away and it usually does like it, it's worked so far so he said um no, that's not him. That's a representative Mark uh, Meadows. 
who is an ally of Trump's. He came out and said, when you're in the middle of it trying to make decisions, I think Mick's doing a great job of trying to serve the country and serve the president. Well, Mark, if that's true, he did a bad job. Okay, I'm not saying his intentions weren't pure, but he did very he did two things that he should have probably taken to the grave. <laughs> so, oopsie. Um, so uh, this happens, right? And I'm not going to say what's happened next because that's for the good news section. I'm putting this in the bad news section because it's funny as it is when something bad happens to the Trump administration, you think I'd want to put it in the good uh, news section. I think ultimately um, it's just bad because it speaks to the corruption of the administration, which is ultimately bad for the country, right? Um, corruption's bad. Corruption means institutions crumble. People lose faith in the institutions. Society collapses. Like, ultimately, it leads to bad things. So I'm putting her in the bad news section, but uh, there are good aspects of, of this that we'll get to in the good news section. I But before I run out of time in the bad news section, I wanted to talk about the shit with Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton. Oh, boy. I mean, if if supporters of Hillary Clinton, supporters of the other candidates were hoping to take a minor candidate in the 2020 presidential race and elevate her, mission accomplished. Because Tulsi Gabbard got so much free press at the end of this week. So Hillary Clinton and Tulsi Gabbard have gone back and forth um, because Hillary Clinton has a conspiracy theory that she wants to share with everybody. Which is that Russia is grooming a Democrat currently running for president. She's not naming names or anything, but she's probably talking about Tulsi Gabbard. And she said, I'm not making any predictions, but I think they've got their eye on somebody who is currently in the Democratic primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate. She said this on former Obama advisor David Plouffe's podcast. She's the favorite of the Russians, quote unquote. (laughs) So Gabbard's pissed about this, uh, and she calls Hillary Clinton queen of the warmongers. (laughs) She tweeted, great, thank you, at Hillary Clinton. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my presidency, there has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation we wondered who was behind it and why now we know it was always you (laughs) through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and war machine afraid of the threat i pose which is like tulsi calm down it's now clear that the primary is between you and me don't cowardly hide behind your proxies join the race directly so conspiracy theory on conspiracy theory, right? Uh, Hillary Clinton accusing Tulsi Gabbard of being a puppet for Russia. Tulsi Gabbard being like, you're a media puppeteer. Like, wow, wow. A lot of accusations being thrown back and forth. Listen, nothing would surprise me at this point in terms of uh, Russian subterfuge and all that stuff. But it has become very in vogue to accuse anyone who disagrees with you of being an agent of Russia. <laughs> I mean, up to including random people on Twitter accusing each other of being bots. And it's like, you're not, neither of you are bots. I see you behaving as people. Not everything is a plot by Russia. But I think it shows how successful the subterfuge Russia has executed has been in making us paranoid, in making us turn against each other and accuse each other of being Russian agents. 
what's Tulsi Gabbard up to? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't fucking care. She would have dropped out like yesterday had she not gotten all this great free press for going at it with Hillary Clinton. So now she gets to stand up against an incredibly divisive political figure and it'll probably bump her numbers. And it sucks. It sucks. Like, we don't have to respond at an 11 to absolutely everything, you know? Um, and it's it's not, it's the media. You know, like, the media loves a fight. Ooh, they love a cat fight, especially. The two women are fighting? Oh, my God, get the hose. Um, I, I don't know what they're doing with the hose. I'm assuming spraying the women so their shirts get wet. Yep, there it is. That's what they're doing. So, um, yeah, just, just... Ugh. Like, if you asked me, Allison, what's the last thing you want to see to end your week? I would say Hillary Clinton and Tulsi Gabbard fighting publicly, publicly fighting. That's what I want to see to end my if I if my week ended that way, it would really be the turd on the vomit Sunday for me. And then there it is. Um, So. Let's see. What do I have next? Oh, yeah. Let's end the bad news section with something that I think a lot of people <laughs> liked. So uh, here I am to shit on it. I want to talk about that viral photo of Nancy Pelosi standing and giving Trump the business at a table filled with old white men. So I know a lot of people shared this photo as like, girl power. Um, and I I tweeted about it because Trump responded to it in typical fashion trying to portray Nancy Pelosi is having like a meltdown and you know she's clearly not having a meltdown she's just standing and speaking uh assertively which causes men to panic if a woman does it she's a witch like they would have burned Nancy Pelosi um not even that long ago (laughs) so I think you can argue that Nancy Pelosi is enormously powerful in an unprecedented way, in a historical way, that is significant. Like, I don't want to take that from her. At the same time, she is just like the embodiment of moderate Democrats who have ruined the party and who have to be pushed on absolutely everything, including impeachment hearings, or the impeachment process at least, by the more radical left. Anything Nancy Pelosi, anything good she ultimately does, it's because the radical left have pushed her to the point where she has no choice but to do it. I don't even like calling them the radical left because truly what they're calling for is like, can people have living wages and can we not poison our environment? Like, (laughs) the reasonable left. Um, So, (sighs) people start sharing this photo and... It's like this, hell yeah, girl power moment. Um, <clears throat> when, like, Nancy Pelosi admits she can't even recall what she was saying the moment the photo was taken. Um, and sh- she's like, I think I was excusing myself from the room. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't like her taking a stand against Trump. Like, you have gone too far. far. It just happens to look like that. So, I... I did not have the same experience looking at this photo as everybody else. I was just like, I see a room of like Washington insiders. Um, I see a lady who didn't want to go after the most corrupt 
president maybe ever we've ever had in this country. And she had to be pushed by the left to do so. Um, I am unmoved by it. So I'm putting it in the bad news section. I hate, I hate fake girl power shit. Uh, it's, it's condescending. It's insulting. It's us trying to feed ourselves on crumbs. And I refuse to do it. I reject it. I reject fake girl power. All right, guys. That's enough of the bad news. Here's your good news. All right. So I teased this a little bit in the bad news section. There is a good news aspect to the the Mulvaney confession. Everybody's calling it an admission, but confession to crimes by the White House, which is that this appears to, at least in a handful of cases, been the final straw for some Republicans (laughs) admitting to crimes a, a couple, a few Republicans have finally been like, okay, all right, that that's too much. That's too much. So former Ohio Governor John Kasich, who ran against Trump in the 2016 Republican primary, says he now supports impeaching the president. Uh, he said the Mulvaney admission slash confession was to him the quote unquote final straw. And he said on CNN, the last 24 hours has really forced me to review all of this. (laughs) Just the last 24 hours. Okay, John. Um, In Congress, at least one Republican representative, Francis Rooney of Florida, spoke out publicly, telling reporters that he and others were concerned by Mulvaney's remarks. uh, Rooney said he's open to considering all sides in the impeachment inquiry. He also said Mulvaney's comments cannot simply uh, be undone by a follow-up statement. It's not an etch-a-sketch, said Rooney, who is a former ambassador to the Holy See under President George W. Bush. The only thing I can assume is he meant what he had to say, that there was a quid pro quo on this stuff. Yeah, I think he meant the things he said, basically. Uh, So, uh, of course, the GOP leaders have been trying to contain the fallout. Um... But, like, even Rick Perry. and uh, Guys, did you remember that Rick Perry was the energy secretary? Because I feel like a lot of people did not remember that. Um, He announced his resignation. Um, So, yeah, like, that's all good. Obviously, uh, the bad news aspect of that that happened recently, Representative Elijah Cummings, uh, who was, like, a leading figure in the investigation, died. So that's bad. That's a super big uh, setback because Elijah was, uh, Representative Cummings was a a really passionate part of that investigation and like a great speaker and like would really get people fired up. So it sucks that he died uh, for many reasons, but particularly for that at this moment in time. But yeah, I'm putting it in the good news section because... I think especially in these divisive times, it is extraordinary that any Republicans are supporting impeachment inquiries and just goes to show how how far the Trump administration have gone. Because in order for any Republican to support it, it's like, wow, 
they 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 done fucked up because uh otherwise they would not be supporting this so also in good news uh we got oh yeah i wanted to shout out the teachers in chicago man chicago teachers don't fuck around so class was canceled for 300,000 Chicago public school students Thursday as tens of thousands of teachers and their supporters headed to the picket line to strike for better conditions in their schools. Um, so obviously, like all things, um, this is an issue of money. Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union is asking for pay increases on a shorter timeline than what the city is currently offering. Chicago wants to give teachers a 16% pay raise over five years the union is asking for 15 percent over three years so a little less but faster which makes sense right you gotta you gotta pay your fucking mortgage you gotta pay your rent um so the sticking points between the union and the city are actually more about equity access and justice npr reports that the union wants smaller class sizes and more specialized staff um, since the current leadership took over the CTU in 2009, it has pu been pushing a focus on social justice issues, moving far beyond the traditional union bread and butter concerns. So it's not just them asking for more money. They're like, this also has a social justice aspect in that we want better conditions to teach our kids. How dare you teachers? Classic selfish teacher behavior. So this includes a demand that all of the city's public schools, and there's more than 600 of them, have a dedicated nurse, librarian, and social worker. And they're not just stopping there. It's also pushing to include fair housing measures in the new contract. Man, I love the Chicago Teachers Union. So the Intelligencer reports, the union has asked for a ban on evictions during the school year, housing assistance for teachers, and according to labor notes, new funding to help homeless students and families. Yeah, because how are you supposed to learn when you're constantly worried about where your next meal is coming from? If, you, if you're going to go home and your family's getting kicked out of your apartment or house, that's not a good learning environment. Kids can't learn when they're stressed and scared. So the union estimates some 16,000 students are currently homeless. That's a fucking crime if you're the mayor and there's 16,000 students you should go to jail no I'm kidding <laughs> I was like don't say it don't say it don't say it you shouldn't be the mayor anymore you've failed you've failed if 16,000 students are currently homeless so teachers have raised these issues with the city for years but an influx of money uh, namely 181 million dollars gained from tax revenue has the union hopeful that it can finally address these needs? So this is an unprecedented battle to shape the conditions and the direction of its schools. Um, so, and of course, uh, through all of this, let's remember that the fight for equity in the Chicago public schools disproportionately impacts black students' futures. So nine out of 10 Chicago public school students are black or Latinx. As of late, CPS students have been doing relatively well, ranking first in the country for academic growth. Yeah, it's, not, it's never the kids. Like, the kids are great. If the kids get the resources, they're great. They thrive. College attendance rates 
have also improved, though they are still below the, sh the Illinois state average. But the city's residents are still dealing with the effects of years of austerity measures, as well as the fallout from an unprecedented wave of public school closures. Yeah, weirdly, if you cut the budget of public schools and you start closing them, students don't do very well. Go figure. Um, but yeah, I think the Chicago teachers are badasses. Um, they are fighting for their kids, and they're heroes, and they should be supported. So if, you, if you're a teacher, if you know uh, a teacher, uh, do something nice for a teacher today. And the, the bare minimum you can do is support them when they strike. Although, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you do support them. So thanks for supporting them. Can you imagine if you got this far into the episode and you're like, but I hate teachers and I have to turn you off now. Goodbye, Allison. That would be sad. Don't do that. And then finally, in the good news section, uh, I just wanted to shout out Holly. Holly the bear. The chonkiest bear in all the land. <laughs> Wait, before I move on to that, I, I meant to shout out. I was reading from an article uh, from The Root by uh, Anne Brannigan. And I link to all articles I read from on this show on our Lipson page, which I believe is just, uh, we are, hold on, I always forget this. Uh, we are light trees and news dot Lipson. Dot com? Is that it? Do you guys know? Um, let's see. Nope, that's not it. Maybe it's just light. <laughs> oh, I forgot the treason part. Okay. You think this would be auto-saved? Yeah, that's it. It's wearelighttreasonnews.lipsyn.com. If you go there, um, you'll see a description of the episode with all of the links and stuff. So that's that's always where all of those are. I always want to credit people I uh, whose work I read. So back to Holly, the chonkiest bear in all the land. Ugh, she's beautiful, if you haven't seen photos of her. So if you are not um, extremely, extremely online, maybe you are unfamiliar with Fat Bear Week. It is the only good thing that happens on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> every year, there is a competition um, at the uh, Katme National Park in southern Alaska, where they um, post photos of bears who are fattening up for hibernation for the winter. And then fans um, get to watch this live stream and vote for their favorite fat bear. And this year, Holly took the prize. <coughs> and she's beautiful. So... Um, she, this is the, it was ultimately Holly's star power that earned her the top spot over a less charismatic competitor. So uh, a bear named 747 was almost certainly the largest on the river. By early October, he was the size of two bears with an estimated weight of 1,408 pounds, more than half a ton. But Fat Bear Week, like impeachment, is all about the votes. <laughs> I like the subtle political message in there. Bear 747 was defeated, <coughs> sorry guys, in the semifinals by bear number 775, known as Lefty, for his slightly shorter left ear. Um, so, yeah, Holly, Holly snuck in there and won it, um, and people are so excited for her. Again, if you haven't seen photos of her, 
she 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 thick she thick she's beautiful she's glowing she looks ready for hibernation i'm so excited for holly um and i hope you're all uh, being little fat bears out there you know it's gonna get cold soon for most of us some of you live in the south and you're like i've never seen snow but for a lot of us, it is going to get cold. So I hope you're being little fat bears and you're taking care of yourself. Let's all take care of ourselves like Holly's taking care of herself. She is just, you know, gorging herself on salmon. And um, maybe we all do that. Some of us in our vegan ways. Do You should not eat salmon if you're vegan. That's not vegan. Put down the live salmon that you snatched out of that river. It's not vegan. Um, gorged yourself on, um, you know, tempeh, tofu, uh, vegan friendly things for the winter. Practice self-care as, as Holly is. If you've had any thoughts, questions, concerns about today's episode, hashtag light trees and pod on Twitter. Uh, we're all over the place on the social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, add us, follow us. Help us thrive. If you've ever been like, but Allison, I follow Light Trees and News on Facebook and I never see your posts. That's because you don't engage with the posts. You have to like, you have to comment, and then you'll start seeing them more because the algorithm is like, oh, you like that shit? You want to see it always? So go do that. Uh, if you are on none of the social media and you're like, but Allison, how do I contact you? Otherwise, uh, we have an email, lighttreesandnews at gmail. Do I check it regularly? No. But I will see it eventually. But if you have a, si a time-sensitive thing that you need to tell me, social media is your best bet. Uh, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. If you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher over there, you can send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. Um, we love hearing from you. You can also send recommendations there. You don't have to just send... Um, uh, questions. And as always, I prioritize those questions because you're a supporter and I appreciate that so much. It's the least I can do. Um, apologies if my voice sounded weird on today's episode. I think I'm getting a little cold and I just am trying to power through it. But yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening to me tough it out. Is there anything else I wanted to say? Um, yeah, I like hearing from you guys. Message me, um, and we'll read them on the show and discuss your thoughts. Guys, thanks so much for listening, and while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Mm -hmm.